want a piece of cake. Maybe I'll make a cake. The Hero's Path. Welcome to The Hero's Path. That man you just heard mumbling about cake was Zack. And I'm Ryan. And this is The Hero's Path. Yeah, it's the podcast about Breath of the Wild. Breath of Wild. Now you were playing Wild, Breath of the Wild, Zack, right? Uh, not this second, but in theory, I am playing Breath of the Wild each a little bit each week. Okay, and what did you play this last week? Uh, so this last week, I was still feeling kind of underpowered, and so I wanted to go power up uh, at a place that has a high concentration of shrines. So I went to the forest, the Great Hyrule Forest, and so I did that. Okay, what's it like? I should stop feigning ignorance because this is ostensibly a podcast where I have opinions about things. The Great Hyrule Forest, that involves, you know, there's a Lost Woods-ish puzzle uh, that you have to navigate the forest correctly in order to reach the cool center of the forest. So, yeah, like, the game leads you to the forest through Hestu, right? Like you meet, yes. he- like assuming you travel the path that the game expects you to go, mm-hmm. uh, it will have made you run into Hestu, who you can kind of go here and then another stable to follow up towards the forest, and he'll talk about the forest. And so, once you see this big forest on your map, you're like, okay, well, clearly that's what they're talking about there. The other way that the game leads you to the forest, I think, is through rumors of the Master Sword. There's a lot of NPCs who talk about the Master Sword. I feel like there must be some NPCs who say it's in the forest. But if you're not chasing Hestu down, then that's the other way that the game lets you know that this is a place you want to go. The one I can think of off the top of my head that does that is there's a lady at the outskirts stable. Mm-hmm. Who, she has a quest to say like, oh, well, if you were really the hero, you'd have a cool sword to show me. Yes. And, like, implies the Master Sword. And then you go back later and do that, and you get something. I don't remember. I'll figure that out. You'll find out. After I get that cool sword. But we're not at the sword. You gotta go through the Lost Woods to get there. Now, I have two opinions about the Lost Woods. Because, on one hand, it's a cool puzzle, right? Right? (laughs) Yes, Ryan, it is a cool puzzle. It's simple, it's like, yeah. it's it's deceptively simple. I definitely, the first time playing it, expected it to have a more complicated solution than what it was. Yes, definitely. And once you kind of piece, so it does for the, for the person who hasn't played it, uh, you go into the forest and the wind is kind of softly blowing the direction you need to walk to kind of pass through a big invisible maze, basically. Yeah. And you can either pay attention to the way the particulates in the air go, or you can watch that there's like torches in place and then the... Uh, fire coming off the torches is blown in certain directions depending on where you're standing i remember thinking oh cool it's teaching me to watch the torches and then i of course need to get my own torch but you know the second or third time through you're like oh i can just watch the particle effects on the wind Mm. those also work um so it's a cool puzzle yeah I What's the second am thing? dissatisfied with it, though. Okay, how come? Because, um, well, it's, you know, it's one of these very linear things in a game where supposedly I can solve puzzles any way I want. Supposedly I can go wherever I want. 
And in this one location, if you happen to step off this path, if you happen to approach the kind of island thing of the woods from anywhere but the official entrance, Mm. you get uh, Korok laughs at you and you get warped back to the entrance. Yeah. And that's dissatisfying as far as like the brief of the game. I mean, it has to be like it's very. This whole area is that right? This whole area is kind of a series of let's gonna call them like dungeon style experiences mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways, but maybe less so. This ends up just being more like little. It's stage based, right? Each yes. each section of the forest as we go through and we talk about it in a minute is kind of just a little stage in a like Mario level style sense. Yeah. And, and they're unified by the fact that, like, it's not like a corridor you walk down, but they're, like, again, more invisible mazes where yeah. if you walk off the path, you get worked back to the entrance, which can be frustrating the umpteenth time it happens. It would be interesting, I bet modders have done it, where you go into the forest and remove all the invisible barriers and just run, like, from one side of the oh, forest to the other. That. Yes. Because there's not a lot of, like, actual physical obstacles in between the different sections. So hypothetically, if you were able to remove all that and just had the terrain to run around on, you could just run from one side to the other. That would be jarring, but cool. Yeah. Mm. Huh. I don't know. At at some point, I'm going to have to look into the mod scene, because the mod scene seems pretty unhinged uh, (laughs) in a very exciting way. Um, like oh, at minimum, you can play as Zelda, and then there's a bizarre universe on top of that. There's some weird stuff that we'll get to. Uh, and by the time we get there, probably a lot more because it's just mm. every, I feel like every day there's something new. So, um, I wanted to touch on that one of the uh secret DLC EX items is here in the Lost Woods section. Uh, you get the Korok mask here. Oh yeah, and it makes you look like what's his face. Yeah, it's cute, and it also serves a purpose that it shows you if there's Koroks nearby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not gonna bother wearing it till way later on because the answer is yes, there is a Korok nearby <laughs> at any given point. Um, especially here when you get to the center of the forest, and that's the Korok forest. Yes. That's where the Koroks live. They're the cute little, uh, like, leaf dudes from Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought them back for this game. Uh, I was reading the book, uh, I was gonna call it Arts and Artifacts, but that's the other one. Uh, Creating a Champion. Uh, Did you have this book when we recorded it the last episode? I don't remember. Maybe. Who can We say? better introduce that you got this book. I got a book. It's called Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild Creating a Champion. It's just it's the art book with a bunch of behind the scenes like stuff and uh they have uh they tried to iterate on the Korok design with some interesting like different little plant dudes, but ultimately they're like, no, nah, it's not as good as the Wind Waker style. We're doing the Wind Waker style again <laughs> because it's way better. And at one point there was like this 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 like picture of like some work in progress champions. There was a Kokairi champion at one point. 
oh, huh. Which I don't know if it made it past that image, but it was very much like a <laughs> thing they threw out there, like, hey, check this out. So, um, we got to talk about plot stuff probably here. Okay. So you get to the forest, and that's where the Koroks and the Deku tree live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in front of the Deku tree. Oh, there's some sword. Is the master sword. It's a sword. Yeah. It's on a pedestal. It's on a cool pedestal. Uh, and kind of a cool platform thing. Uh, do you want to talk the pedestal or do you want to talk about... You've got these notes about the pedestal. I we do. Well talk okay, we'll talk about the... We're going to talk about the whole physical layout of the entire thing before we talk about any plot. <laughs> uh, we got to set the backdrop... So you understand the story. Uh, There's pedestal made of rocks, triangle shape. There's like statues, quote unquote statues around the pedestal. Zach will tell you about those. There's also flowers. And some would have you believe that all of these details are placed very deliberately. The flower thing was going around around the time the game came out. I know there was a, a Japanese twitter person who that's where i first saw it where someone posted an image of the three silent princess flowers around the pedestal and they kind of behind the pedestal yeah and they put that side by side with the pedestal from link to the past that has three similarly placed flowers behind it yeah as, as a way to say oh yeah we were thinking that ridiculously detailed about this set well, piece. And I, think, I think it's valid. I think it's a valid thing that they you, did. Like, I get into this a lot. You know me, Zach. I do know you, I right. rant about this all the time. That coincidences do happen, but video games, like other artworks, are created by humans, nerdy humans, who want to do nerdy things and make specific decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, like if some, someone might, might have just laid the, those flowers there randomly, uh, but they were put there by human hands. Yes. And so it's not outside the realm of possibility that that person was like, Oh, when I'm putting these flowers here, I should, I should make it look like that location in another Zelda game. It's possible, but it is the kind of thing where you say it, you're like, these flowers are in the same place as they are in this other, this kind of like this screenshot. It sounds like you are a crazy person. It sounds like you're reaching, but like when you look at it and you you look at the level of detail in a lot of the other stuff going on in this game, it's like, I could see them actually like taking the time to do that. That seems... Absolutely. That that seems believable. Yeah. Uh, The other thing going on is that there's these like stones arranged around the pedestal that are kind of innocuous, but the uh, art book puts this like chart together of like, actually each one of these is a slightly different rock shape that represents one of the different races of Hyrule. Uh, and then the ones Which is that the th- so wacky and it's like, you can only tell in the game because, like, some of the rocks are differently proportioned. Uh-huh. 
and even that would be a stretch otherwise. Had this book not pointed that out, I don't know if I would have noticed that, but. And if it weren't in that book, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would believe that one. Yeah, that like, would, that would be. Somewhere... It's a bunch of differently shaped rocks. Right. Yeah. It's almost a little far uh, but yeah. Sure. Uh, okay. But yeah, it's cool. It, cool it, location. Okay, we have a cool location, and there's a, a set, giant tree there, it's a too. Set, it's a set piece, and it's cool that the set piece does not lag as bad as it did on the Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, the first thing that happens is you walk up and you touch the sword, and you get, a like, a flash of, like, the past. It, I think some of the stuff comes straight from the, uh, the, the memories. Um, okay. there's not anything really of substance there. It's mostly just like Link having flashbacks to stuff before. Uh, and then the Deku tree wakes up and starts jabbing at you. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, they made him a cherry blossom in this game. A cherry tree. Cherry tree. A blossoming cherry tree. Is that how you say I don't I think that's correct. Um, yes. And I like the Deku tree in this. I like him. He's good. You He's can like, climb up him. You can climb up him. He's got a little house inside of him where they the Koroks have nicely set up a free inn and some uh, pretty good shops. Um, oh, yeah. The shops are very good. Uh, but when he talks to you. He has this very just like disapproving tone in a way that the Deku tree traditionally has not that I right. I like a lot. Just like, oh, you finally showed up kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. The Master Sword is here. The famous uh, knife of Legend of Zelda. Yes. Now, you know what? We don't even think about it now. But before this game came out, they traded heavily on the image of the Master Sword being all rusted and pitted. Mm. Right? They, they that was should. like the emblem of this game. Okay, yeah. Which is an... Int- like. I guess for me now it's like it just it's not that potent a symbol but at the time I guess it was like expressing the kind of uh, almost post-apocalyptic feeling of the game like in every in every Zelda game there's this idea of like the distant past Every like you're playing ostensibly a legend of Zelda, but everything is referring to earlier times, and this seems to go the furthest in that you know the everything is some things are a hundred years ago, some things are ten thousand years ago, and yeah. so they make the Master Sword look really old. Yeah, from a gameplay perspective, the Master Sword is here as something that you can obtain. Uh, but they don't outright spell, they don't, like, the, don't the, tell you how to get it. The mechanic is not forthcoming, but it's easy to kind of piece together what's happening. But you can go make an attempt to pull the sword out. But as you pull it out, you start draining hearts. Mm-hmm. And the Deku Tree will stop you once from killing yourself this way. But if you do it again, <laughs> he will just let you die. It's very funny. Um, uh, I've never let that happen. I'm too scared. I did. I definitely did the first time. I feel like I did the first time. Uh, this time I just didn't. Uh, but you draw the sword and it takes a set amount of hearts, basically. 
and they don't surface how many hearts. So it's one of those things right. in the back of your mind as you're playing through the game is like, I wonder if I got enough hearts now. I wonder if I got enough hearts now. I think it's 13. I think it's 13 hearts. I, th- I was going to say 13, but I don't really know. I'm fairly certain, but I don't remember exactly. So, Zach, why do they do it this way? Well, the Master Sword is really powerful in this game. And they needed to kind of gate that. Um... But also you could say it's like hearkening back to LOZ where in order to claim the swords in that one, you would need more hearts. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Oh, I was like, I, I feel like, yeah, uh, I'm not sure if this is, did I make this joke already that Breath of the Wild is just a LOZ remake? I don't know if you made that as a joke. I know we talked about that a lot. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like a lot of experience there. That's a good way to make a joke is to ask if you've made the joke before. That really opens up a lot of funny possibilities. But it's one of the most obvious, I think, ways in which this is this game is trying to be Legend of Zelda. Oh yeah, as far as like getting a sword behind just straight hearts. Right. Like the, it's an ultimate it's an it's, it's an extremely minimalist way to handle this mm-hmm. uh, but it's good it's effective it works perfect it works exactly as oh in, it's great it works exactly it, the same way it did in the original game and it also <laughs> but unlike in the original game there's this really emotional d- drama to pulling out the sword and almost dying and so it marries the mechanics to the... Like the, the emotional throughput of yeah, the game. Yeah, the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. It's good. Uh, I look forward to pulling that sword out sometime from now. I don't know. How, we'll many, swords are, how many swords do you have? How many hearts do you have? Uh, These are different. Where did I end? Suits I ended this session with deck. eight, I think. Okay. Uh, I'm not... Not bad. Uh, we'll get to I, I I I beefed up by the end of this episode. That was the this was the training montage episode. Well, let's get on to the training montage part. Okay, uh, we talked about the sword. Oh, Hestu is here. Part of the training montage is I finally was able to spend all of my seeds. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I now have a respectable pocket that I can fit junk weapons in. I'm very excited about this. Uh, and then there's a bunch of shrines. So being like a, there, there's a shrine here in the center of the forest. I need this picture back so I can reference. There's a shrine in the center. And then there are, uh, there's a bunch of quests you can get from the Koroks here. A lot of them are quests where it's like, Hey, can you bring me a picture of this? Hey, I'm going to give you a riddle. Will you bring me back this item? Uh, stuff Did you that... get to the guy on top of the Oh yeah. tree? Yeah. Okay. And I did a He's couple a of the ones he wants. And I forget which one I left on. I'm I'm not rushing out to complete those. I figure as I play the game, I will be able to just do a lot of those naturally. Sure. Um, But then uh, I think the head Korok will give you a quest where it's like, hey, there are three trials in the forest. You should go complete those. Um, And so there's three other shrines. So there's four shrines in the forest. And... That was a good way to get a whole bunch of spheres really quick. Okay. So I did Ko Rug Shrine first, which is the one in the center of the forest. 
it is a shrine where there is a arrangement of constellations on a wall Mm -hmm. and then like a grid that you can put up several of those like orbs into yeah it's an interesting case where uh like orbs are keys and these depressions in the floor are keyholes but this is a case where you need to pull them out of keyholes and figure out which correct keyhole to put them in and move them around back and forth uh which is a a fun tactile way to input information into a puzzle and i like how the um I suppose it's just a practical decision to make it easier to see, but you are referring to this wall with a bunch of constellations on it that's way over there. And so you have to, like so many things in this game, look very far away and process information over there and apply it where you're standing. Well, yeah, you you count the constellations and then you figure out that, okay, well, if I put there's this number of this constellation, this number of this constellation, etc., etc. And so you end up with a four-digit code that you put in. Um, mm-hmm. And that gets you access to the end of the dungeon, but then there's one on the other side of the dungeon where you there's can't... There's a secret other door. Where you or cannot... Or secret other wall. Yeah, you, you cannot see the wall of constellations from there. So you either have to memorize the number really quick or use Go your... back and forth and back and forth. Or use your Switch's or, uh, native screenshot function. Ooh, uh, you're playing it like Phantom Hourglass. Am I? Well, Phantom Hourglass had gimmicks kind of like that. I still have not played Phantom Hourglass. Zach, let me tell you about one part of Phantom Hourglass. Please tell me about Phantom Hourglass, Ryan. You find, like, a map to... it's Or a clue... Uh, that's going to lead you to the next thing. And it's upside down. And how are you going to be able to use it to move on to the next thing? It's upside down. Uh, you can't just drag it onto the map on you know your lower screen with your normal map. So what you have to do is close the DS, open it back up again, and the thing is transferred to the other screen. That's pretty good. It's very good. That's, isn't there a Pokemon that does that? Isn't there like a Pokemon you have to flip upside down? There's like a that? Pokemon that you have to you have to like physically hold the whole DS upside down. That's cool. like using the gyroscope. Um, that's cool. Yeah. that's that's fun. I like tactile stuff like that. But I uh, love it. So yeah, uh, a very simple puzzle. Um, and then that gets a you cool the... puzzle that has like applying the same mechanic in a new way. In a very, like, uh, we're recording this in January, and the MIT Mystery Hunt is coming up next week. And so I'm excited to uh, have to, like, learn a mechanic and then apply it again in a different way. And so this puzzle is perfect for that. Hopefully, all the puzzles in this Mystery Hunt will be Zelda Shrines. (laughs) Okay, what if they are? What happens to you? Uh, I get in trouble because it looks like I knew ahead of time, and so people suspect that I cheated. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. But I control whether this audio goes out onto the internet. Oh, it wouldn't go out till after the thing anyways. So right. 
Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. There's three other uh, shrines, but they're all uh, like shrine quest shrines. So the challenge is just to get to them. So each, the rest of the forest is divided up into three sections, and each one has a little gimmick to it. Uh, I ended up doing them. What order? I did Mog Halon Shrine first, which is the test of wood. Okay. You are outfitted with a wooden sword, bow, and shield, and they they tell you, okay, you got to get to the shrine without breaking or losing any of that equipment. Doesn't sound too bad. No. But they get you. Well, <laughs> I love this one, actually. It's, it's, it's good. I like it. Because, like, the way you start out playing it, you know, you go through it like a dungeon, and you fight all the monsters... And you worry about whether you're going to break something and you, you know, start to think creatively about how to get around things. So that's good. But I definitely yeah. got sniped at some point the first time I played through this. Oh, yeah. Because well, that's there the are thing. enemies with fire hiding out of sight in a very uh-huh. trollish manner. Yeah, it's it's mean. But what you learn is uh, they can't snipe you if you just keep moving very fast <laughs> and after you clear this you can like a zelda mini game come back and try to beat your fastest time and get rewards for getting faster and faster times which i've done a lot because it turns out this uh gauntlet of enemies is not so bad if you don't feel compelled to fight all the enemies you just run past everybody you can get through pretty harmlessly there's what, a couple places, yeah. What kind of rewards do you get? I've, I've never repeated this. I think you get a uh, silver one hundred rupee rupee uh, if you beat your best time. That's not that bad for the time investment. That's uh, good to know. And what you need to also know is don't get too good a time because you want to be able to beat it later to get more oh, money. Oh, we're doing that. Okay, I see what's happening. Okay. Well, that's what I wish I had known ahead of time. Oh no. Okay. That's useful. But it's very good. It's 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 one of the places where you can, or where I can, I guess, with my fairly low skill in this sort of thing, feel like I'm being very proficient with the game, running through a gauntlet really fast and ignoring enemies. Yeah. Uh, what so about the next shrine you did? I did Dog Choka Shrine, which is the Lost Pilgrimage. Uh... The idea to this one is that there is a Korok that has also set off on this shrine, and uh, their Korok friend is worried about them, so you have to follow this Korok through the forest, mm-hmm. uh, but without alerting them that you're there. So it's a sneaking mission. Sure. Uh, it's kind of annoying. I uh, don't like this one. Uh, I definitely had a harder time with it the first time. It wouldn't be so bad if, like, it wasn't in the dark tracking a green, a tiny green character on a green landscape. <laughs> because a lot of the challenge just becomes like, wait, I can't see that Korok. Where is he? And then realizing mm-hmm. you ran into him or something silly. Yeah. Uh, it would be less bad if that was a thing, but... I think it could be improved by making it just a little bit shorter. It is very long. 
at one point there's like a halfway point and it's like oh i'm still going <laughs> uh i didn't have as much difficulty with it this time because i had happened to brew myself a stealth potion at some point when i was by a campfire and was like oh this is a good time to use that i don't know that it actually are helped. npcs affected by stealth potions i have no idea uh it might no. entirely be placebo effect but it definitely seemed like it helped okay i don't know how stealth works in this game i'm gonna at some point buy myself some cool sheikah armor and we're gonna have some fun learning about how stealth works i would be interested to learn how stealth works in this game my version of stealth is running away yeah exactly <laughs> So that's that shrine. It's the weakest of the three or the four. Yeah. But then you do uh, what's called Kun Sadaj Shrine, which rules. Yes. This one is called the Trial of Second Sight. There is a Korok here who will kind of mention that, like, th- they give a pretty decent hint as to what you're supposed to be doing. Um, but they just kind of send you off into the forest and say good luck. And so it's another maze like the Lost Woods was, where if you go off a path, you're sent back to the beginning. Yeah. But they don't spell out exactly what you need to do. Uh, but what it is, is that there are trees with metal rocks inside of them that... We haven't mentioned that the trees have faces with toothy maws. Yeah. They very... make the Lost Woods part look scary. It's pretty scary. Yeah. Um, and so some of these moths have, like, these metal rocks inside of them. And you can pop it open with mag. You can open your tablet and choose magnesis and try to interact with these rocks, but the- they're stuck within the moths. You can't pull it out. Mm-hmm. But if you understand the hint given to you or if you notice off in the distance that there are other trees with rocks inside of them... Uh, you end up using Magnesis as a metal detector to make your way through the forest. Yes! Uh, it's very rad. Uh-huh. And is the reason that a lot of this game I'm playing this time around, I just have Magnesis usually pocketed. Because right. when you're combing through some ruins looking for the good stuff, you can pop open Magnesis and see if you're missing something. Yeah. Later on in the trial... There get to be these like weird <laughs> puzzles where the trees are, they're not talking to you, but there are tablets that are like, I'm the tree and I wish that I had a metal rock in my mouth. Or there's the something about like, uh, there, yeah, there are trees that are brothers and they're fighting over this chest. And so you, and so, <laughs> yeah, you really put, good. you move the chest to the one mouth, to the other mouth, across the lake, and then that opens up the shrine and stuff like that. It's it's cute. Yeah. That part's it's more just good. cute and perfunctory, uh, but it's good. Yeah, the using it as a metal detector is incredibly good. Mm-hmm. Just a very genius use of that mechanic. So that's yeah. Th- so those are all the shrines in the forest. Uh, Playing through it again, knowing all the solutions, this whole section went really fast. <laughs> I suppose. If you know what you're doing, it's not that long to go through all this. And so I went through all this and was like, I want to play a little bit more Legend of Zelda this week. Uh, so I decided to check out one thing that's nearby the forest and then polish off two shrines that I had skipped before on accident. 
in order to round up my shrine total to a number divisible by four. Uh, so I went to Makar Island, which if you have the map to the forest, you can see there's a little island off the coast of the forest. Do you know what's on Makar Island, Ryan? I do because I kind of studied. That's the wrong word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was some speculation that this island would be involved in DLC somehow. Wait, really? It's named after a Korok. Yes. Right? And what's there is, well, in my opinion, there's nothing there. It's just a useless island with nothing on it. In your opinion, what did you find? Well, not my not my opinion. I can just tell you what I found there. Sure. Okay, fine. I, I, can, I can give you factual statements about what I found there. Uh, yeah. I went to this island and... I was expecting to find, like, a Korok, but instead I got ambushed by a bunch of Skellingtons. Sure. A very he- a group of heavily equipped Skellingtons that kind of proceeded to wreck me pretty bad. Hmm. Uh, I burnt through all my fairies, but I managed to finally get them all, uh, and then I scooped up all their delicious equipment. Okay. Uh, but that's it. Yeah, there's no Korok. There's Jeez, no... maybe I went there during the day, and that's why I didn't see scary Skellingtons. Yeah, there, there are scary Skellingtons at night. Huh. But but there's no uh like fungible like tangible reward, right? It's as far as what the game conspicuously useless. There's not a single chest. There's no korok. There's no shrine. Um, and it's like it's on the map. It looks like it's like a round island, right? It's, it's conspicuous yeah. in a way that makes you think this is going to have some sort of importance. But I don't know. Again, I, I either. yeah, it, we're just like uh, the bottomless swamp. There's no point to it, and I kind of like that. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, but it was definitely like I just another place in the game I'd never touched foot on that I had to go check out. Huh. Uh, satisfied with that, I went and sought out the last two shrines that I needed to pick up. I went to Noya Neha Shrine, which I had passed. I'd ran over it. Uh, the last episode, yeah, last episode. That's the one by the prison? Yes. It's on the same island as the prison, uh, in the, the Hyrule, Hyrule Castle prison. And, uh, I didn't recognize it was, you mentioned it was one right there, and I'm like, really? I didn't see it. Um, it's cute. You have to, so I went over, went back over there, I popped on the, uh, the shrine detector, because I hadn't had that on, because at this point there's shrines everywhere. Sure. And I started looking around, and I'm like, okay, well, it's not on top of this, like, hill. <laughs> it must be inside of this hill. So you circle the hill until you find, like, a whole section of briars, like, on a hillside. And then you can catch those on fire to reveal a cracked wall, and then you blow up the cracked wall, and then you go inside and there's a shrine. Yeah. Uh, very well camouflaged, I think. Yeah. It's, it's fun to find, and... There are not enough caves in this game. There really aren't. There is a dearth of caves in this game. It's... Yes, I completely agree with you. That means the next game is probably going to go too far in the other direction. Well, have I, I've told you my theory. Yeah. That <laughs> because the teaser for Breath of the Wild 2 is mostly underground, my theory is oh, the game is going to be entirely underground. 
which would I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's, it's it's dumb of me to come up with that theory. If they do it well enough, it could work. If it if it stays visually interesting. Uh, I noticed that Beetle, the wandering merchant, isn't in the trailer, so I don't think he's going to be in that game. What? (laughs) I'm applying this logic. Oh. Okay. To figure out exactly what Breath of the Wild 2 will be like. I think it'll have a lot of rats. They didn't say anything about the Triforce in the trailer, so I think the Triforce died. It's it's the rat force now. Cool. All I remember from that trailer off the top of my head is that there's rats in it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> oh, that, that shrine is a minor test of strength. Okay, so you fought a robot? I fought a robot. Uh, Easy. No problem. Bring you it on. you get tired of these robot fights? No, not yet. Okay. I mean, we're not that far in, so maybe someday. Sure. Okay. Uh, the other one that I, I... I had seen this one before, but I passed it up and this was a kind of the most convenient one to get is what is this one called namika oz shrine uh it's up on the crenel hills in one of those like fossilized tree stumps yeah yeah uh and i had been to this one before this one is a uh modest test of strength uh and so this one i actually lost the first time and i had to do it twice Ooh. You fought uh, a robot? I fought a stronger robot that had two weapons. <laughs> uh, and so he kicked my butt a little bit, so I had to do that one twice. But yeah, that's so I got six whole shrines this time. I went and cashed in my spirit orbs at Kakariko for uh, another heart and a, my first stamina upgrade. Mm. Uh, I also went back to Pura and upgraded Stasis. So now I have the upgraded version of Stasis uh, that I've not gotten to use just yet. But it seems okay, pretty powerful. Okay, and just to keep score, did you already got the upgraded bombs? Yes. Okay. I've gotten all the upgrades from Pura. I assume Robbie probably upgraded some other stuff, but I have not seen that man yet. I'm excited for you to see Robbie. Because it's so inconvenient. His (laughs) forge is even harder to light. And it's so far away. Yes. He lives in the boonies. Uh, But yeah, that was... uh, Did the forest did a little extra. I'm feeling really spry and powerful now. Okay. At this point in my game. So next you're going to go see Robbie. No. Oh. What are you going to do next? I've talked a lot... Not on this podcast. Actually, I've talked to other people. Uh, I've talked a little bit, Ryan, about how the game tries to steer you in certain directions with the way it does stuff and the way it arranges things and the way it, like, nudges you. And mm-hmm. obviously the main goal at this point, aside from defeating Ganon, is to check out the four divine beasts and figure out what's going on with that plot. Um, and the first one they really try and send you towards is the Zora area. Yeah. Uh, and I'm feeling pretty confident now. So I think now is the time to start heading towards Zora's domain and start working on that plot. Okay. So I think starting next week, I'm going to start working on that. Awesome. There's a lot of that to get through before I actually get there. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, but I think that's my next goal. I want to go. I want to go head towards that area. Well, good luck heading towards that area. 